Welcome to Grace and Peace Church, friends, family, and if you're new, glad you're here journeying with us. Um, we want to just invite you to participate um, with us that this audio or if you're watching on YouTube, the video or on Instagram uh, isn't meant to supplement all of your faith, that it's meant to meet part of it, um, especially now during quarantine, uh, but it's only a portion of what we do as a church and we want to invite you and encourage you to connect that whether it's through a life group we're currently on zoom during the week tuesdays and thursdays at 7 p.m or gather with us on sunday uh, on the lawn at 11:30. that all is available on our website or on our social media accounts if you want to check up on those things just to make sure um, nothing's changed since when you see this uh, or listen to this but we would encourage you to connect because we can't just worship God with our minds. We have to engage in what it means, as scripture says, to be the body of Christ, to serve one another and to be served, to love and be loved, and to participate in what it means to give generously, um, not financially only, but through our gifts, our talents, our skills, our abilities, as well as receive that from others. And so. We would encourage you to come gather with us and connect with us. And if you need any information on that, go to graceandpeacechurch.org or any of our social media accounts. Welcome back. We're going to be going through James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And we're going to be talking about speech, the words that we speak. Language is highly influential. The words that we say have power. They can either be positive or negative. And so raise your hand. That's right, I said raise your hand. It's um, maybe if you're driving, maybe keep your hand on the wheel. But raise your hand and, you know, nobody's probably watching you. It's okay. Um, but yeah, I said raise your hand, kind of like in grade school. Raise your hand if you can remember the years while you were in grade school, something someone said to you that was either very encouraging or very negative and it's still burnt into your memory. I can remember things that friends told me when I was a kid that still are ingrained. Things that my parents told me that were either positive or negative and I don't think they intentionally threw out the negative. Um, but there's certain things that we just remember that just somehow words have this impact that continually shape our lives even now 30 years later for me, getting old. Um, but if you could hear a voice recording of everything you said throughout your life, what would you edit out? Or maybe let's narrow it down. Let's talk about just this week. Just this week, if you had a voice recording, I'm pretty sure our phones are always recording us, right? But if you could get that recording and listen to it, what would you edit out? What are the conversations and the tone of your voice, the ways that you interacted with people through speech that you would remove, that you would say, I want a second chance at that. James talks about this. So we're going to dig into James chapter 3 and uh, we're going to be reading 1 through 12. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers and sisters, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Those who are never at fault in what they say are perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. 
Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a word of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by human beings. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings. We have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. As a grom, that's a surfer lingo for a young surfer. Uh, as a young surfer, uh, I got into ministry because I saw how God was using my words to impact others, and especially other younger surfers that I was hanging out with. And I came to the Lord because of this guy, Uncle Mike, who sponsored me and shaped me and my brother's surfboards and um, really supported us. But watching his faith and his influence and the way that his words had an impact on others impacted me and my younger brothers. And I began to watch and witness how the life of a young surfer can be completely transformed by what I say in either a positive way or a negative way, right? I know that in the years before my faith, before I knew God, before I started uh, this relationship with Christ, I recognized that I could, that I led a lot of people into a negative direction as a result of my words. And, um, and it's extremely humbling as we begin to see how words impact people's lives. It can be powerful. I recently heard a, um, some sad news that one of those kids that we grew up surfing with passed away. And um, his life had been deeply impacted by the world and how the world can draw us away and draw us into some negative, destructive patterns. And um, it was really sad to see that those words that this student, this surfer um, from back in the day um, had once dedicated his life to Christ had now really just fallen into the trap of this world. And, um, and this is what James talks about, this, this fire that can both be destructive or it can be used for good. And he makes a clear distinction how powerful the tongue can be. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, the first thing I want to point out is that he says, beware, because in the very first couple verses, he says, we're going to be judged more strictly. Those who are teachers are going to be, be judged by what they say and the impact that they have. 
And, um, and so there's a sense of responsibility to the words that teachers have. I recognize that every time I sit in front of this camera or I'm in front of an audience or a group of people or a gathering where we come together to worship and study God's word, that what I say, uh, it's, it's of utmost importance, right? Not in a way that I'm so valued, but I wanna be respectful to what God desires and what God's word says and not mess that up. So no pressure, but I recognize that there's a sense of obedience that has to follow in teaching God's word that can be scary at times, but I also recognize that there's a humility that it's not mine, that these are God's words. And hopefully I'm being a, a vessel or a conduit of what God wants to say and not my own opinions, not my own voice, but God's voice. And so that's why we try and stick to scripture whenever we're teaching as a church and continually center around this because my words will fall short every time. If I come up with some kind of clever, crafty way to inspire people, that's on me. And that will, that will die off pretty quickly. That can be short-lived, that can be temporary at best. But what God says is that His Word and His Holy Spirit, when it moves and begins to take root in someone's life, it's gonna have this flourishing impact that's gonna go and, and, uh, and transform life, not only in yours, but in other people's lives um, in beautiful ways. And so um, recognize that there's different teachings, there's different callings um, that we all have. And so one of the ways to begin to see that is uh, there's a, a system called APEST. And, um, and it, it calls out these, uh, these it's a five-fold uh, ministry um, calling that we have within the body of Christ. And so there's apostles, there's prophets, there's evangelists, there's shepherds, and there's teachers. And so not all of us are teachers, not all of us are shepherds who are gonna shepherd over the flock, over God's church, God's community, God's people. Not all of us are gonna be evangelists that are gonna be as effective as one another. We're all called to share our faith, but some are just very gifted in that area, and some are prophets that call the church to um, a healthy way of God's living into God's heart. And then there's apostles. And um, there's just uh, there's a variety here. And I only bring that up briefly because I would say you can Google it, study it, and research it. But just because um, I bring it up because there's a understanding in Scripture that we aren't call, all called to do everything. Um, and so recognizing that uh, there has to be um, there has to be a calling that that we live into, and he goes on to describe this impact that teaching has, and he uses the example of the rudder of a ship in verses four and five, and he says it's the small part of the body, but or the of the boat, um, and and as well part of our body, um, the tongue is very tiny, but it makes great boasts, he says, a mega impact. It's gonna really transform because of how small it is. The same way that rudder steers an entire ship and it's tiny. And so I think recognizing the impact of our, our, our verbal expression of our faith is important. This Lent season we center around the celebration of the resurrection and we recognize that Jesus came to make all things new. Uh, there's this rescue plan that we see in Christ. And so the language that we see here is uh, that James uses is really taken from 
the beginning of Genesis as well as the beginning of the book of John, which is a letter that uh, one of the Gospels that uh, covers the, the life of Christ. And in the beginning, it says, uh, we're going to read uh, just John verses 1. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So we see in this passage that's referencing Genesis and the creation that the Word is another way of saying Jesus, is another way of describing God in flesh and blood. Um, we learn that through Him all things were made. So in the creation story, if you go back to Genesis 1, you see that God spoke and things were made and created. That His words had power to create the tangible world that we experience. And so, in this creation story reference, we see and what we learn is that Jesus was with him from the beginning. And what John does in chapter 1 there is say that the word was with God, that talking about Jesus, that Jesus was with God from the very beginning. And this also points to this fact that the word became flesh, that what God's will, what God's mind was all about became tangible if that makes sense. So what God spoke became a reality. And that is who Jesus is. Jesus is this embodiment, this very tangible way of seeing God's mind and his will. And so when we talk about communication and words and speech, all of that is a result of what happens in our mind and our will. The things that I speak are what's inside of me. Um, Jesus talks about this. We're going to read a passage here in a second. But in Jesus, we see the embodiment, the physical representation of the will and the heart and the mind of God. Here, walking earth, demonstrating how to live this life in flesh and blood. As he interacted with people in relationship, um, as he taught his words... And his life were a, a tangible representation of God and who God is. And so to take this a step further, Jesus was challenged by Pharisees in this conversation where his disciples are eating without washing their hands. There's a, a hand-washing ritual that existed at that time that uh, was part of a purity process of staying clean and making sure you followed the religious law at that day. And in Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 through 11, he says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. So he distinguishes between human rules and godly rules, that God has a heart and a will that is different than ours. And he goes on and he says, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, their speech, that is what defiles them. So what we say is a representation of our will, of our heart, of our mind, and who we are inside. That's how we begin to 
in a, a for, unfortunate way, it's how we begin to get to know people, right? And that in our speech, in how we communicate with people, we begin to get to know their will, their mind, their heart, who they are. And so Jesus says, it's not so important what goes in your mouth. It's not about the food. It's about what comes out that's going to have an impact that makes you um, either evil or pure and reflecting the heart of God. And so this raises a question. How do we begin to honor God with our minds? How do we honor God with our minds so that then the speech that comes out of who we are is pure, is beautiful, is life-giving to the people around us, to our spouses, to our children, to our neighbor. Because ultimately, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where things are going to have a true impact, is when our minds are transformed, when our hearts are transformed, when our will is transformed, it'll change the way that we speak. It'll change the way that we communicate with one another. And so how do we begin to honor God with our minds? In verse 8, he says, The tongue is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. He points out how powerful the tongue can be for negative, for evil. And, and again, what this does is help us recognize how influential, how powerful language can be. It can be so destructive or it can build others up. And so what we have to do is we have to see where we get off track, where maybe we're using our voice for evil, for deadly poison, rather than for good and for Christ. In this book that I would highly recommend picking up, I have this original copy. Um, maybe it's not original, but it's a really old copy. I didn't mean to say original. Um, words matter, remember? Um, this copy of Screw Tape Letters. And uh, so I recommend picking up, it's amazing. Um, there's even PDFs of it online for free, you can check out. But C.S. Lewis writes this, this book of letters that are from the perspective of a senior demon who is mentoring a younger, or discipling or teaching a student demon how to keep their patient, as, it, as he says in here, or their person, um, from dedicating their life to faith in Christ. How to keep them really distracted, how to keep them pulled away just enough to where they don't engage in meaningful relationship with Jesus. And um, in chapter 3, he uses this example of this, the patient, the student's uh, relationship with their mother. And so he says, like, as you interact and as you're the devil on the shoulder, so to speak, um, begin to really create a divide between his relationship with his mother using speech. And here's what he says. He says, when two humans live together for many years, it usually happens that each has tones of voice and expressions of face, which are almost unendurably irritating to the other. Work on that. Bring fully into the consciousness of your patient that particular lift of his mother's eyebrows, which he learned to dislike at a very young age, and let him think how much he dislikes it. So he starts to use speech and body language to say, use that to divide them, 
to begin to show how much or remind him how much he hates his mom because of these little irritating things. And so he begins to use speech and use body language, communication to divide. And I'm sure none of you couples or those of you who have roommates um, ever deal with this sort of thing, right? I would venture to say we all deal with it. And Satan will definitely use language, snarky remarks, sarcasm, even tone of voice to try and say, wait, did they just say that in a condescending way? Did they just say that in a judgmental way? Um, there's so many ways that Satan will use whatever words and, and even expressions that someone has to make us think that maybe they don't like us or maybe they're angry at us and then just perpetuate the divide. We have to constantly be aware of the ways that Satan is at work. And it, I would just say again, pick up this book, read through it, and it'll, it really, C.S. Lewis does a really good job of making us aware of all the little nuances that distract us, that pull us away from God, the ways that our mind will begin to play tricks on us, the ways that, that evil will use relationships and miscommunication and body language, all these different things to divide us and to keep us from a faithful, life-giving relationship with God that begins to transform the world that we live in. So be aware of how Satan and evil wants to divide us. With social media, we all have a platform. We all have a platform to communicate, to share, again, positive language, positive ways of living or negative. Remember, it's never neutral that what we do has impact and it will be perceived in a certain way. And so we constantly have to be aware of that. Um, but we also have to be aware of how we consume social media because not only are we posting, but we are also feeding our souls and feeding our lives and our minds and our will with this information that we scroll through on our phones um, as you scroll through Facebook or Instagram or you get into conversations with people on there. Um, we have to be aware that um, as we consume this media, that we have to recognize that there are ways that it will also divide us, that it will also create, um, yeah, just a division. And uh, the clickbait that we see, it works because it somehow gives us an emotional reaction. And so every time you see something that's either, that gives you an emotional reaction, it could be lust, it could be anger, it could be frustration, all those things, anything that you engage with more because you're like, wait, 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 who said what? No way. And that will engage us in a way that, that divides, that creates either a very negative, destructive pattern, um, and, and social media just banks on that. So we have to be aware of that. We have to have a um, ability to scrutinize what we're seeing, what we're consuming, and what we're filling our lives with. And so if it has strong emotion, I would say read into it a little bit more, study that topic, begin to try and see it from a different perspective, uh, do some research on it, because if it has a lot of emotion tied to it, I would say scrutinize it, recognize it, begin to see what it really is, 
and then sort it in the right categories, whether it's something that's good for your life or something that's negative in your life. A few ways to discern our speech and ultimately our heart is again to scrutinize the information that we see. So the next one I would say is study the Word of God. That as we study God's Word, it begins to be woven into our minds, woven into our will, woven into our heart, so that then when we interact with people, the ways that Jesus lived out as we read the Gospels, as we read how others interacted with God, um, whether it be in disobedience or in obedience, um, we can learn from these truths how to then live our lives and interact with other people. And so studying God's Word helps us really get the heart of God and, and allow that to wash over us and to be ingrained in who we are. I would say meditate on God's Word would be the next thing is um, this allows us to really begin to mesh the truth that we're learning with how we live. Um, that as we have this time of meditation, or if you want to use the word reflection, we allow time and the Holy Spirit to uh, discern what are the ways that we are either disobedient or ways that we need to be proactive in being agents for change in the world that we live in, um, proactive in the way that we speak, in the way that we communicate with coworkers, with family members, with those that are challenging to deal with, um, that all those things can be transformed. Meditation allows us to really uh, sink into that. And then memorizing God's word is another way. So we have thousands of songs memorized, right? Um, that if a song comes on the radio that many of us have, that you've heard many times, you, you can sing the chorus, right? That comes out of hearing something over and over and being, allowing it to be ingrained in who you are. Scripture will do the same thing. And as you memorize scripture, it'll bring to mind those truths. So like in James, we talked about um, being slow to speak, right? That we are called to be quick to listen, that we are called to be slow to become angry, that when those passages come to mind, because I have them woven into my mind, that comes up when I'm interacting either with my children or my spouse or somebody that's frustrating, cut me off on the freeway, whatever, that it slows me down because I've thought about this passage, I've allowed it to speak into my life. So memorizing scripture um, will begin to transform life. Um, and then some action steps that I would say um, help us to really hone in on how we use our language, use our speech um, as a positive, powerful tool. Um, I think we need to ask a couple questions and, and I want to give us two filters to apply this week. Um, addition and subtraction. So the two filters, addition and subtraction. What do you need to subtract from your speech? And what do you need to add into your speech? So when I say subtract, what do you need to take out that's either negative, destructive, filled with anger, filled with frustration? Um, what kind of speech flows from you that, that, like going back to that very first question, that you would say, I wanna edit that out. Like this past week, in all of the things I said, these are the things that I wanna edit out and say, I need to subtract those from what I say. And then the addition side I would say is, what do you need to add back into those areas? 
So what are the things that in this last week, if you could listen to a recording of everything you said, what are the things that you would add in? What are the things that you would bring to the table in a conversation? What are the things that you would bring to a text or an email or a Zoom call or whatever it is? What are the things that you would add in that would bring new life to the relationship? Addition, subtraction. Where can you add in? Where can you subtract? And our heart would be that we'd be people who, like James says in here, recognize that our tongue, our, our voice, our speech, our language can be like the rudder of a ship. And our prayer, grace and peace, is that you could direct the ship in a positive direction towards hope, towards new life, towards love, towards transformation that begins to make all things new, just like Jesus did as he came in and became flesh and blood and lived out what it means to be the love that God calls us to be, the heart, mind, the will of God here on earth, um, as in heaven, as he says in the Lord's Prayer. So grace and peace to you as you live into that. Rejoice in knowing that we never walk alone. Know the grace and peace of Christ walking beside us, guiding and protecting us. Share this comfort with one another and feel his presence each moment of each day. Amen.